Welcome to the Be Loud About What Matters podcast. I'm Olivia, your host. On this podcast, I will be bringing light to topics that are important but not discussed enough within our society. Episodes will include a range of topics, starting with the journey to conceive, pregnancy, birth, postpartum and motherhood, holistic healing and nutrition, and the importance of true informed consent and medical freedom. The goal of this podcast is to create connections, share stories, information, and resources to educate and empower people in their own personal journey. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Be Loud About What Matters podcast. Tonight, I have my friend Emily on with me, and I am so excited to have this conversation with her. Emily and I connected on Instagram, I think it was like two years ago now, um, and we just started talking, and the more we talked, we realized how much we had in common and what we were really passionate about, and so we decided that we needed to have a conversation tonight based on one of those things. So Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. (laughs) Would you mind sharing with everybody a little bit about you, what you do, what you're passionate about? Yes. So first of all, just thank you for having me on to spread awareness about the topic that we're going to talk about tonight because that's something I'm really passionate about. And um, in my free time, I just like hanging out with my family, spending time in nature, Hanging out with my dog, um, you know, living a healthy life. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> Sounds like very similar to the things that I care about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why we get along. <laughs> oh yes, many reasons. So tonight, I mean, I feel like we're going to talk about a bunch of things, but they're all kind of underneath one umbrella. So September was a bunch of different cancer awarenesses during that month. And mm-hmm. last week I had Dasha on with, with me and she was sharing her story about her son. And so this week we were going to share, or we were going to talk about your experience with that as your mom had gone through cancer and treatment with that. So would you mind sharing whatever you feel comfortable sharing about your mom and her journey? Yes. So last October, so it's been a year now, my mom was diagnosed with stage three uterine cancer. And obviously that was just a huge shock to us. Um, At that point, I really had no experience with cancer and quickly became her primary caretaker. She underwent surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, and all kinds of other fun stuff in between. And until all of that happened, I really had no experience in a hospital setting. So the last year has just been a huge eye-opener for me for just the way that the hospital setting works, the food that they serve there, um, how they encourage their patients to live their lives while they're going through all these treatments. And my mom started out as someone who was really like, oh, we just have to listen to everything the doctors say. And as this year went on, it's been cool to see both of our eyes open. And she's like, I know even during her treatment, you made her some like oil roller blends. And she's like to the doctor, like, oh, I don't need that pain medication. Like my daughter's (laughs) friends, like making me this essential oil stuff. And they're just looking at us like we're crazy. Yeah, so. it's it's mind blowing to me, and I'm I'm sorry that you and your mom have gone through this, and you had to see her go through that and be her advocate and her caretaker because 
it's something that we never expect, right? It's always something that happens and it kind of, we get taken back by it and it really shifts perspectives on a lot of things. And it can be really scary and it can be like, it make you feel overwhelmed. And I feel like when it's someone who's so close to you, like your mom or a family member or a close friend, all you want to do is help them find out more and help them find answers and find alternatives, especially if you're more like holistic minded, like you and I are. And I think it's like a part of the learning and growing process, especially when it comes to dealing with big pharma and hospitals. And I also think it's like an opportunity to open some doctor's eyes sometimes, or even nurses, Mm -hmm. because I know that there are some really incredible doctors who really genuinely do care about your patient, their patients and they're open-minded to trying different therapies and that sort of thing. So I feel like as scary and overwhelming as it can be, like it's important to still ask questions and still do your own research and like present it to them because sometimes they've never seen it before. A lot of the time they've never seen it before or they'll tell you you're crazy. One of the two. So (laughs) it really depends. I would literally go in there with my notebook and be like writing everything down, like asking them every question. One of my mom's doctors was like, what do you do for a living? Like, why are you so into this? And it's just like, how could you not be into this? This is like the most important thing. It's like the health of you or a person that you love. And that was also eye-opening to me. Like, people aren't going in and asking their own questions if they were so put off that I was doing that. Yeah. And that makes me sad, too, because I kind of started off like that. Like, okay, we're just going to go, and the doctors are going to know what to do. And when we went to my mom's first appointment with her radiation oncologist, I was like, so what should she be eating like when she's going through radiation and he's like oh it doesn't matter you know if she's hungry she can eat even an oreo and in that moment i was like oh this is not good he told her to eat an oreo like i just couldn't believe it so from that moment on is when i realized we're really gonna have to do a lot of this on our own And a lot of people are elderly, they're there by themselves, like, and you're going through the most stressful time of your life, like, it shouldn't be put on you to look into all of this, so. Yeah, it's it's disheartening in a lot of ways, because it's like, people talk about, if I mean, if their mindset is something's wrong, we need to go to the doctor, or we need to go to the hospital, rather than taking action or responsibility for themselves like yes there are absolutely times where you're going to need to go to a hospital and you're going to need to you're going to need help there's absolutely times for that Mm -hmm. but I think one of the biggest missing pieces is you can do that and you can also look at what you can do for yourself instead of just thinking I'm going to go in here and they're going to fix me like you said if you're asking what can I do to nourish my body during this treatment that is going to be impacting my body to a an intense degree and someone's like oh just give it garbage (laughs) you're like okay no that doesn't make any sense like if my body is going through these intense treatments it needs to have something that's going to be nourishing it and take care taking care of it and I remember when I was younger so my best friend growing up 
has cystic fibrosis and Mm -hmm. that's a lung disease for anyone who doesn't know and it's incurable and so I grew up going to the hospital with her all the time and I would see once I became more aware of the like nutrition as I got older I would look at the menu and things that they had to offer her and I was always so put back by it because literally nothing on that was going to provide any sort of nutritional benefit to the patients and these are people who are not well so yeah. if you are trying to make them well and become healthy again you need to provide them with things that will do that yes and so looking at that and then also before she she ended up getting a double lung transplant and is thriving but before she did like she really really needed lungs and they had a meeting with the board and they were like well she's basically not sick enough to get lungs so the mindset is, okay, you have to be X amount sick in order to get lungs. But then if you're too sick, then you can't get them. So when I experienced that from someone who I care about and love so much, mm-hmm. then your eyes, like you're just wide open to it. And then the more you see it, it it's, it's everywhere around you. Yes. You can't unsee it. I say that all the time because once you start – really looking into things and asking questions and doing your own research, then you see things that you would didn't mm-hmm. see previously because your eyes weren't open to it. So it's so true. And when you were mentioning the hospital menu, this was another naive thing that I thought in the beginning. My mom had her surgery first. So the first time we were in the hospital, she was just on a regular floor and they brought her this menu. And I was like, oh my gosh, like they passed this out to patients with this <laughs> crazy like there was like fruit loops on it and so i'm like well once she gets to the oncology unit like it must be so much better yeah um, no they have like freebie sections with like there was one refrigerator in the waiting room of an oncology unit it was only filled with soda there wasn't even water there and they have like carts in the treatment rooms with like bags of potato chips and it's just like as someone who's healthy shouldn't even be consuming that. Right. And they're passing this out to sick cancer patients. Right. The thing is that, I mean, I know that some people listening may be sitting there thinking that we're just being negative about hospitals and we're just complaining and that we should do something or whatever. But hospitals have the ability to provide people with food. It doesn't have to be junk food. Like you could literally fill it up with apples, oranges, bananas, and and that would not be a huge cost increase to give them actual food. And that's my issue. And that's why we are talking about these things because people are like, oh, well, what's the solution? The solution is people actually saying, hey, no, I'm not going to eat that. That's garbage and it's not going to nourish my body and you need to do better. Exactly. Or taking better – and or taking better care of yourself in the first place. So true. And yeah, I don't want people to think that this is us just like bashing hospitals because I'm very thankful for a lot of the care that my mom got. Right. But the more just to improve upon maybe some things that definitely need to be changed and updated. And yeah, it would be easy for them to provide healthier options. And that is 
one thing that we did. I always packed my mom, like she had to go for 12 hours and we would pack her with like all this food, like even extra food that she'd be offering to her roommates. Yeah. Or, because, I mean, even the nurses that work there, they know the food is horrible. Yeah. They say themselves. So this isn't like a secret or hospital bashing. It's yeah. just a big change that needs to be addressed. Yeah. I did the same thing. Whenever whenever I went to visit my friend in the hospital, I literally always brought either homemade food or like very specific food from restaurants that she wanted. Mm-hmm. But I always brought real food because that's what people should be having. If they're going to be stuck in a hospital for an extended period of time and they're yes. trying to heal, like they need to be provided with things that their bodies need. Yes. So, And I also thought on top of food – I just think the way that hospitals are, they're like so sterile and cold. And my mom would be there sometimes for more than 12 hours and that's getting no fresh air, no sunlight. Yeah. It's just, it seems outdated. Yeah. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's true. And I think, I think that's the hard part is that the norm in our society is, oh, well, if I'm not well, I need to go to the hospital or I need to go to the doctor. Whereas back in the early days or even like when our parents were younger, if something mm-hmm. if something was wrong, they would ask their parents or they would ask their grandmother, like, what do I do? And obviously there's so many other factors in terms of like what's in our environment and what's in our food and our water and all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. they they outsourced people that they knew and trusted and they started eating things or doing things based on what their mom told them or their grandmother or their like close friends. It wasn't just immediately we have to go to the, to the doctor or the hospital because yes. I see it all the time. People People go to the hospital immediately like if their baby has a fever. And it's different. I'm not saying if you're young, infant has a very high fever, don't go. But Mm -hmm. there's a time and place to go to a hospital or an emergency room. So, like, educating yourself on how to take care of yourself, how to take care of your children, different Mm -hmm. things that you can have on hand is so important. And I feel like that's so lacking in our society. And then people like you and I who are like, no, we can try this or we can try that, you know? Yes. That is what we need to be talking about. That's what people need to hear about. People need to to feel encouraged knowing that there are things they can do in their homes to take care of themselves, take care of their family, their friends, whoever, and not just to to take accountability for your own health too. And know that just because someone is a doctor at the end of the day, you know your body better than anybody else, no matter how many degrees they have or what their title is. Yeah. And just because someone's a doctor doesn't mean that they're always right. Yeah. And I think I'm really glad that you said that because the other piece of that is that there are doctors who you can tell them that something's going on with your body and they just don't listen to you or they Mm -hmm. tell you it's in your head or yep. they tell you to take Advil and drink tea and it'll magically heal itself. Yeah. Like I've been there and I know I'm not alone in that. I, there are th- hundreds and thousands of people who deal with that every single day. Yes. So if you're – if Their solutions are so generalized like that. Like, oh, just take an Advil. Like, yeah. you know, you would go in and they'd be like, oh, so how did you feel after your last treatment? And my mom's giving them like – specific examples but no matter what she said it's just like oh we have another medicine for that like yeah we'll give you this and my mom's like no like you don't understand I don't want to swallow or take any medicine first of all you just loaded me up with chemo and yeah. 
when you're feeling sick, you don't want to take more medicine on top of that, you know? Yeah. Um, And good, good for your mom for being like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Or like, let's talk about other alternatives because it's just, our society is so quick to be like, what's the quick fix? What can we do? What can we just fill, pump our bodies with? Yeah. And it's just, it's like, it's fascinating to me. It is. And one thing that I found so crazy was once my mom finished all of her treatment, my her doctor is like, so how are you feeling? And she's like, I'm so happy that I don't have to put anything else in my body. Like I really just need to give my body a rest, like went on this whole spiel. And at the end, her doctor is like, okay, so are you ready for another COVID shot? And my mom looked at me and I thought she was going to cry. And when we walked out of the office, she was like, did she not just hear me say that I want to give my body a rest? But I don't know. And I don't think that doctors are bad people, but I think that's kind of what they're trained to do. And they're just almost not even thinking like it's frustrating. I mean, it's honestly, it's like indoctrination at its finest. (laughs) Yes. It's, It's brainwashing. And you know, it's also, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because when I was talking to Dasha, when you are going, if your child's going through a, a chemo treatment, they recommend that you don't get any shots, like at all. So it's interesting to me that when they know your body's going through an intense treatment like chemo, mm-hmm. they don't do it. But then as soon as you're not doing it, they're like, oh, the yeah, we, you're done. we recommend this. Yes. Yeah. It's just... Even when my mom, after she had her surgery and was still in recovery, like still like half in and out from being put out from her surgery. They asked me if I knew if she had gotten her flu shot yet this year. And I was like, is that important right now? And my mom is like laying in bed, like, don't let them do it. Like, it's just. No, it's just, it's priorities and it's checking things off the list. And it's just the whole profit over people thing is a mindset yes. and a topic that I will never get over and never stop talking about because it's prevalent in every single aspect of our lives. Like it's everywhere, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to our healthcare system, which I consider our, yeah, it's our, it's a sick care system. It honestly is. And so it truly is. It's not about, it's not about helping people become better. If it was about helping people become better, people would actually be better. Yeah. Yep. We wouldn't, people wouldn't be as sick as they are now. And I don't know if I said this when Dosh and I were talking, but, and I, I shared that reel on my story when we were talking about breast cancer. Um, because all of these companies and organizations are saying, let's raise money for, for cancer, for any cancer, for breast cancer, for, for pediatric cancer, for anything. But it's mm-hmm. like nobody is talking about doing research to figure out how to prevent it in the first place. Yes. And prevention is not spoken about. No, it's not even discussed except for like, honestly, in the holistic community, truly. And that in itself is just, it's mind blowing to me. Why would you want to do more, more research to make medicine instead of doing research to figure out what's causing it in the first place? 
so that it never happens to anybody else. Right. And the answer to that is because it's about money. Money. We're going to we're going to do this research. We're going to we're going to create these medications that are band-aids or may heal you for X amount of time and then you have to pay for it every single time. Yep. And the other thing I just thought about because we're talking about this, which I also feel like is very necessary to speak about is how much debt people go into over these treatments. Yes. It's not okay. It is no. not okay. And insurance companies and all this stuff, like everything about it is so dang expensive. There mm-hmm. are people who are taking out like liens and like second mortgages and all this stuff to pay for medications, for treatments, for their children, for themselves. Like, do you not think that what they're going through is enough? I know. Mentally, is... emotionally, physically. And then there's that whole financial aspect. And it's like, we, you wonder why everybody is sick. Mm-hmm. It's just everything, one after another after another. It's not what people need. No. And every time they give you something that causes a side effect, oh, now we have something else to help you with that side effect. That It's just a domino effect that leads to more money, essentially. Yeah. But, yeah, there is no talk about prevention. And I think that's one of the things that irked me most about, like, the food in the hospitals and just the setting. It's, like, all the very things that could have made these people sick, you're just surrounding them with it. Right. Still. In the first place. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Sometimes I just get so fired up and I'm just like, I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. I know you and I could, but um, I know it's important. It's so important. And we're here to talk about the things that matter, people. So listen. It is important. <laughs> and I think that, yes, some not everybody will agree with us, obviously, and that's fine. But there are probably other people like us who, I mean, before my mom was sick, I maybe went to the doctor's office once a year, and that was just a primary care doctor. I was never really in a hospital setting. Yeah. So I truly had no idea. So even just to spread the awareness of what a hospital setting is like, and, you know, God forbid someone in your family does need treatment from the hospital, be prepared for what you're stepping into. Right. Yeah. It's and also just like going in with the mindset of there might be other options, there might be other alternatives. And it's important to ask questions about medications or treatments, what like what the long-term impacts are, um, short-term impacts, how it's gonna impact their body, mind, soul, everything. Yeah. And so I'm glad you said that because it's it really is so important. And yeah. And my mom found Um, a lot of relief through her chemo treatment through things that weren't offered by the hospital like the essential oil blends that you made her Um, she got a medical marijuana card that was like insane nobody wanted to help us get that not sure why but she had to do all of the legwork by herself of course Um, and it was just to get creams for her pain but They were like, well, we don't know. There's not really, like, evidence if that really helps, so we don't do that here. I've heard that many times. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad that, that she did that anyways. And, like, I mean, like you said, she shouldn't have to do that, but I'm glad mm-hmm. that she did. And I just wanted to say, like, how incredible it is that you as her daughter, like, took all of this on and advocated so hardly for her because – 
our parents need that too. You know, Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about advocating for ourselves, advocating for children, but our parents also don't know a lot of the things that we do or Mm -hmm. they have not researched the things that we have. And so like good on you for, for standing up for her and for doing everything that you did and for asking questions, even when the doctors were asking you why you were asking questions in the first place. Like it's really, really, I'm just really glad that you did that for her. And that's really awesome. Thank you. And I know you were like my cheerleader behind the scenes too. Like (laughs) you would be texting me like, you're doing great things for your mom. That meant a lot to me. So if they thought I was being annoying or crazy, I don't care. I was going to do whatever it took to get what was best for my mom. So yeah, I'm just glad. I'm just really glad. And I'm glad that she's doing well and that we can have conversations like this to like keep encouraging people. Yes, same. And now it's brought us closer and my mom is so funny. She'll be texting me like, I want to try out, you know, like the new scent of like the Annie's Pure and Simple Cleaner where before she would be like, Windex is fine, you know, so it's really opened her eyes and she's starting all new habits in her late 50s, which must be hard. So that's been And that's so awesome. It's it's so cool to see – like when people are just really, really opening their minds to new things and realizing that things that they may have been doing before were not helpful to themselves and and their health. It's Mm -hmm. really cool to see, like you said, especially even for our parents and like older generations to do something differently that you've done your entire life or more than half of your life is a big deal. It is a big deal. And it's probably hard. And also I think that a lot of people – maybe would look at like a conversation like this or someone like you and I and be like, well, that's extreme. Like, yeah, but you don't have to do everything perfectly. Like, yeah, it's not like you're just going around like eating organic kale and like scrubbing your house with vinegar. Like, yeah, you know, so just the little things like making little changes, it all counts. Yes. And I think if more people did that, they would start to see maybe that they feel better or, their home feels better. Yeah. It's the little, it really, it genuinely is the little things. Like I do agree with you. I think that a lot of people in general view anybody who's more holistic minded as like super extreme, doesn't mm-hmm. ever have like cake or a cookie or, yeah. or like anything like that. And that's not reality. Like we talk about like 80, 20, you know, like you have to have mm-hmm. some sort of balance in between. Like Sure, there are still times where I have sugar. Sure, there are still times where I have cake and brownies and whatever. And it's just about being more mindful. It's just yes. about paying attention to things and, like, realizing how certain foods might make you feel horrible. Yeah. Or, like, being around candles might make you feel horrible or whatever it is. It's yep. not about being extreme, like, balls to the wall, crazy <laughs> about it. It's just about paying attention. And yeah. I think it's – I think it's really awesome to be able to have these conversations, have people be more open to them. And I truly feel that once people start doing the smaller things, those, they add up. So like the little things start adding up and they become, people notice things. Yeah. They become the big things people notice. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I've ever said on the podcast, but like years ago, I did training as a health coach. So I did like a holistic health coach, 
coach certification. And then I also did a functional medicine coaching certification because I wanted to learn more about the science aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I first started doing that, my family was like, is this, like, real? Like, is this legit? Like, is this – are you just, like, woo-woo hippie? And I'm like, guys. Like, they would say that, but then they would come to me after the fact. So I'm like, I know you know that there's some yeah. legitimacy to this. So I'm just – it's nice to see and, like, witness people opening their eyes and, like, trying new things that they never would before because you're like, just try it. and You never know. Yeah. So would you mind sharing, because I was curious about this when we were texting back and forth, are there like certain things that outside of like the nutrition portion that the doctors told you or your mom, like when you were having conversations that you were just like, that's not true, or there are definitely other things we could try? Like, are there certain things that they said? Yes, I actually, so I would always take notes with the date and I think it was five months, four or five months into the whole journey of seeing all the doctors until a doctor said that lifestyle factors matter. Before that, whenever I would ask, they would be like, no, like, you know, it really doesn't make a difference. Like if you're going to get cancer, you're going to get cancer. Wait, for five months, they said lifestyle factors didn't matter? Yes. They would say that um, because my mom's cancer was uterine, that it was probably just hormonal. And it's like, right. So if it's hormonal, that means something's off with your hormones, which is probably related to your lifestyle. And I would say things like, you know, about exercise, fresh air. And they're like, yeah, all that stuff's good, but it really doesn't matter. Yes. And so when the first doctor said that, yes, it matters, I I literally said, I love you. (laughs) You are the first person to say. And my mom was like, oh, my gosh. Like, she's just been waiting for someone to be like, yes, it matters. How can you say it doesn't? That was one thing that really surprised me. I mean, that's a huge deal. Yes. To be undergoing cancer treatment for uterine cancer and not one doctor admit and or acknowledge that your (laughs) lifestyle choices can impact how well or unwell you are is insane. Yes, it was. And I will say again, I'm not trying to say anything bad about the doctors. I really actually like my mom's doctors and I think that they do like the best they can with the information they have. A lot of them were just really old school, but my mom's nurses were amazing. They're so open-minded. Like um, one of my mom's nurses, I won't say her name in case she didn't want me to, but she would be talking about all of these like holistic practices and showing us photos of her garden and how she grows her own food. And it was so refreshing because we would my mom would have a one-on-one nurse when she got her treatment so we would sit with her and talk about it like all day and she would say like I try to tell the doctors that I work with this so people do care but yeah yeah just them saying that it didn't matter I couldn't believe that yeah and like we said earlier like this is not to bash doctors and nurses and hospitals it's just wishing that there was more discussion and conversations and being open-minded to new things because Mm -hmm. a lot of what you learn in med school like 
I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure on this exact number, but the last time that I discussed this with somebody, when someone goes to med school, their percentage of courses on nutrition is like what, 1% or they have to take like one class. It's something ridiculously low. I've seen that. It's like a small amount of hours that they actually spend studying. And so if you are going to school to discuss the body and what makes the body well or unwell, not only should you be very well versed in nutrition, there should also be the mindset that there's not, there's no one size fits all because every single person is different. And so that's one of my, my bigger frustrations outside of the nutrition piece. I mean, that's also super frustrating, but this idea that one type of treatment can cure everybody or solve the problems is not realistic. And so that's why it's so important to ask about alternative therapies and to have doctors and nurses who are discussing those things or actually researching, hey, so-and-so in a different country tried this and this worked really well for them. This treatment worked really well for them. Why can't we try that here? And I don't think that that's unreasonable. Like that shouldn't be deemed crazy or like, why are you asking that? It should be like, why are we not asking that? Yes. I think that was a big like surprise to me too, that bringing that kind of stuff up was kind of taboo, but yeah, why not? Like incorporate anything you can that's going to be helpful. I know that I went to like a local health store and was buying a few things for my mom and the woman at the counter noticed that they were probably for a cancer patient and was telling me that her brother had cancer and would get um, IV drips of vitamin C after his chemotherapy. So I'm like writing all of everything down in my phone that she's saying and we go to the next doctor appointment and I bring it up and they're like, oh, we don't do that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, um, you know, she told me that her brother was treated at Dana-Farber and they did it. No, that must have been a trial because they don't do that. Yeah. And it's just, why not be open to it and say, hey, give it a try. Like, if it helps, great, you know? Yeah. Yeah, There, it's it's almost like the mindset is, mindset is just to immediately shut things down before even, like, they could have taken what you said and been like, oh, let me look into that. Let me see what I can find about that. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because before we hopped on to record, I was telling Emily about this book that I'm reading called The Anatomy of an Illness by Norman Cousins. And he actually mentions the um, vitamin C treatment in the book because high dose absorbic acid has been shown to help numerous things. And this book Mm -hmm. was written in 1979. So it's like these things have been around. They may not be as common, but they're around and Mm -hmm. people have undergone treatments. And I think... Actually, I don't know if I fully watched the whole thing, but I know a lot of people who have. Um, The Truth About Cancer is like a really, really good docuseries um, all about cancer and about like cancer treatments. I did watch one, but I don't know if it was The Truth About Cancer. It was something. I read a book called The Truth About Cancer. I wonder if those are related. They might be, but... In, in that docuseries, they travel to different countries and they talk about the different types of cancer treatments. Mm-hmm. And the one that I watched, I don't think it was The Truth About Cancer. I cannot remember what it is. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, but in that um, documentary, it was talking about how 
if children get a diagnosis of cancer here in the U.S., they immediately have to do chemotherapy Mm -hmm. and that like parents can get in trouble if they don't follow through or have their kids taken away from them. But Mm -hmm. the parents in the film brought their children to another country to do different types of healing modalities for their children and their children are thriving because of it. Mm -hmm. And so that type of stuff is like what makes the, makes me, it doesn't sit well with me when people are like, your only option is to do chemo. Your only option is to do radiation. Your only option is to do this medical thing, whatever, mm-hmm. without even considering other options. And so that's why, like, I'm so proud of you for advocating for your mom and looking into this stuff and her starting to look into this stuff because there are so many different ways that we can approach things. And, I mean, you and I talk a lot about, like, holistic healing and nutrition and, like, learning and unlearning mm-hmm. um, and how to listen to our bodies because – One of the biggest things that I've realized in all the people that I've talked to when it comes to dealing with a diagnosis is that there were things that their body was telling them leading up to whatever their diagnosis is or was. Mm -hmm. Like their body was just – something was going on. There were little things here and there that they didn't realize that were trying to tell them, hey, something's up. Something is not right. You're not well. This is impacting you in X, Y, or Z. This could turn into a bigger thing. And I I feel like if we're not in tune with our bodies and aware of how they're feeling and why they're feeling a certain way, it's just our bodies are so smart and they're trying to tell us things. They are so smart. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know if you wanted to share a little bit about like your own journey or like how you started to trust your body more or just how you got into holistic healing because I think it's just fascinating for because it's different for everybody like everyone's journey is different yeah I don't know what initially sparked my interest um basically I think it's just and you probably know this once you start to make changes and you start to feel better you just want to keep going yeah and that is what happened for me it first started with like okay i you know i'm graduated from college and i'm becoming like an adult so to say now like i want to start to eat healthier and then i started eating healthier but i was still drinking a lot of alcohol and i still felt awful and then i'm like this makes no sense. I'm eating like the healthiest food all day long and then I'm just poisoning my body at night. Like this is disgusting. So then it was like drinking less, which turned into really not drinking at all. Yeah. And that in turn changes the people that you hang out with and starts attracting you to more like-minded people. And then it turned into like everything like, okay, now I have the food down. Now I want to like dive into all of my products and just going to like little craft shows and things and trying out handmade soaps and then again realizing how much better I feel, my skin looks better and then you know getting rid of candles and just walking by Yankee Candle now I am nauseous. Oh yeah, <laughs> I feel yeah, you girl. Yeah, so I think it's like a kind of a snowball effect Yeah. And still I just right now I'm like trying to find a good laundry detergent that I love and it might sound like dorky but those things are exciting to me like I like to stay <laughs> up looking into stuff like that 
No, I totally get it. And it's so funny. Like, I'm glad that you mentioned because my, like, my journey was kind of similar. It was, like, after college. Like, I was, like, eating, like, what I thought was healthy. Mm -hmm. But then I really started to, like, actually understand what healthy things were and, like, and cutting things out, but not, like, in a negative way because I was adding other things in. Yes. And, but same, same thing for me. Like, I went, I used to get these horrible migraines, like, horrible, like, all throughout Mm -hmm. high school and college. And I just, like, dealt with them. And I was, like, popping Advil and Excedrin, like, every single day and, Mm -hmm. like, dousing myself in, like, Victoria's Secret body spray or perfume, candle, you name it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just – it's interesting. Like you said, like, once you start cutting the little things out and you're like, oh, my gosh, I feel so much better. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize it was making such a big difference. And so I went to this doctor and he – I was talking, telling him about my headaches and like how I've been dealing with them. And he was like, okay, well we can try this one medication. Um, or you can just like go cold Turkey and like get off of like everything you've been taking. So like mm-hmm. not take Advil, not take Excedrin, whatever I was taking at the time. And I was like, well, I don't want to go on another medication. So I'm definitely just going to like go cold Turkey, but it wasn't just that. Like I had to figure out other things that I could use to help with my headaches and so mm-hmm. that's like when I really took a deep dive into it and I was like I'm just not going to take anything anymore. And like you said too like the whole drinking thing but like I just shifted so many things in my life and I realized that how many things in my lifestyle that I was living every mm-hmm. single day were impacting me. And so like when people say, "Oh, your lifestyle doesn't impact you in any way." It a million percent does. Like, you can't tell me that it doesn't. Like, we are living proof that it does. Like, hundreds and thousands of people in this world are living proof that it does. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just – it's fascinating to me. I meant to say this earlier. It is is wild to me how many people are on all of these medications for things that they likely don't need to be on Mm -hmm. if they change certain things in their lives. Yes. Like, because I've talked to so many people and they're like – or, you know, when you go and they're like, oh, well, what on if you're signing in somewhere new, they're like, well, what medications are you on? And you mm-hmm. write, I'm, I'm not, I literally don't take any medication. So I'm like, I write none. And they're like, yeah, you, you don't take any medication for anything. And I'm like, no, I don't. Yes. <laughs> I don't. They're always surprised by that. Yeah. Because you, it's not, it's not normal to not be on 12 that, medications. It's, it's- Yes, and it should be the opposite way. Like, yes, you should be surprised if a thirty-year-old is taking medication every day. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be surprised that it says none. Yeah, and that is actually something. I think I was telling you this that growing up, my dad wouldn't even like take an Advil. Yeah, you did tell me that. And for some reason, that was always like I never. I mean, I have to be in some like serious pain to take something. Yeah, and. Even I remember when I was a teenager, my doctor came in and asked if I was going to get the flu shot. And I was like, no, I don't want the flu shot. And my mom was like, what? What do you mean? Like, she has to get the flu shot. Like, she's a kid. Doesn't she have to get it? And my doctor, she was amazing. She was like, nope, it's her body and she has to choose what she's comfortable with. So she does not need to get the flu shot. And I was like, Oh, this is amazing. I think I was like 16 at the time where she said she's old enough to choose. Yeah. So that I think has just been like an instinct in me for as long as I can remember. I just always hated putting things into my body. Yeah. 
And good for your doctor. You probably would never hear that nowadays. I know. And uh. it's still such a vivid memory in my mind mm-hmm. because she made me feel like so heard. Like yeah. it's her body. She gets to choose. And I was like, wow, this is, I fully expected her to be like, your mom's right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you say like, you just never, like it never felt right to you. Like it never sat well with you because I feel the same way. And I feel the same exact way you feel about hospitals. Like I just don't like them. Like I Mm -hmm. just, and it's not because of all the stuff that I know, like that's just an added piece. But every time I've been in a hospital, it feels so cold. It feels so sterile. All the smells, the lighting is horrible. Everyone's like not happy. It's just not. It's awful. Yeah. And so when we're talking about our environment and how that impacts our health, especially if you're healing from a surgery, or chemo or whatever it is, like that's absolutely going to impact you. So when you were mentioning earlier, your mom being inside and not being outside exposed to fresh air and sunlight, like that is, it should be a requirement that every single patient goes outside Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. And yes, I totally understand that that would create more work for nurses. (laughs) So this is why people also need to take accountability and responsibility for themselves and their lifestyles. Yes. Because if we were doing that, if we were paying attention to lifestyle factors, nutrition, all of these things, there would be far less people in hospitals. So true. Without a question. Going off of the hospital environment, this was something that made me laugh that I actually forgot to mention that my mom and I are like walking through the halls and on certain doors, there would be signs that said fragrance free zone, like no perfume, oh. no everything. And I'm like, wow, like they're really onto something here. And because fragrance is the devil. Yep. And then I go into the hospital bathroom on the same floor and the first ingredient in the hand soap is fragrance. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, the hypocrisy. How do they not notice this? I know. I know. It's, it's wild to me. It really, really is because I also just have such a, oh, I, I don't, I don't say hate very often, but like when it comes to fragrance, I get so angry <laughs> because it's literally in everything and it's everything. It's a catch all phrase. You don't even know. You don't even know what it is. You don't know what it's made of. You don't know what chemicals they use to create that fragrance. You have no idea no yes, idea. at least if it just meant one thing and we at least knew what it was. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy. I don't understand how that is allowed either, that it can just be, I think, up to what, 3,000 chemicals mm-hmm. under the blanket statement of fragrance. Yeah. And it's in everything. It's so hard to get rid of it all. Yeah, it's, and it is so noticeable when you do. Mm-hmm. It's so incredibly noticeable. Like you were talking about, if you walk by a candle place, like if I am even around, if I go into someone else's home and I'm around fragrance, I'm immediately impacted. Like I immediately get a headache. Yes. Because I was recently in someone's home and they had all of those little like wall plugins and candles going. And I don't even know what else. In the second I walked in the door, it, I was like, whoa. Yeah. And it just feels like I just want to run around and open all the windows and <laughs> throw away their candles. <laughs> yes. Unplug those quick. <laughs> I, I think someone made like a reel about that, <laughs> like the running through someone's house and just like yes. chucking them all. But 
it's it's funny but it's not because it's just like that's the norm Mm -hmm. it's the norm to have your house like reek like flowers and there's not even real flowers artificial vanilla and oh yeah i mean we could spend hours talking about (laughs) (laughs) fragrance could be its own podcast it, you know what? Maybe we should come back and we should do that. And we should dive into, like, what is really in fragrance. And then people can be like, what? Yes. Yeah. So I feel like one of the things that we wanted to to chat about before we kind of wrapped up the episode was different ways that we can begin to spread awareness and, like, instill change. And so, I mean, you can tell me what you think. But I think one of the biggest things is, like, education in general Mm -hmm. like different ways to educate people in a way that's not going to be like triggering because i know that like what we were saying earlier we're what we do and how we live our life might seem extreme to some people and Mm -hmm. that's okay that's totally fine and we're not Mm -hmm. saying you need to live your life exactly how we do Mm -hmm. but i think just general education on nutrition for everybody but especially for people who are going undergoing cancer treatment Mm -hmm. and on nutrition on fragrance or toxins on whatever it is like alternative healing I feel like that would be if people are open to it would be really a great way to raise awareness but I'd love to hear your thoughts from being alongside your journey with your mom yeah I agree that awareness like raising awareness is so important I think something that would be cool that's just like an idea of mine that has been put into action is like a list of questions to give people to have to ask the doctor when they go because in that moment especially being the patient I'm sure you're not really thinking of all these questions but some sort of service to go in like more prepared know what to ask and also there's like you were saying there's you know breast cancer awareness month all these awareness months to raise money to cure it but what about having some prevention months or prevention fundraisers and teaching people like passing it out just at your regular yearly checkup here's a like list to keep yourself healthy to prevent you from getting heart disease prevent you from getting cancer i think more of that needs to be implemented rather than always just you know we need to get to the root problem instead of band-aiding everything yes i love those ideas that's awesome yeah i was i think it might have been on the call when um you dasha and i were talking because we were trying to figure out like different ways to approach all the different cancers and that's that's the hard part right is that there are so many different types of cancer um some which are newer some which have been treated by things for a certain amount of times a certain amount of time excuse me but you have to have some like sort of basic questions to ask when you go in and then i like i wish that there was like some way to create like a catch-all, like a website that just had like different healing modalities and for like each type of cancer. I mean, it would take so long to put together, but it would be such a great resource or even just like different networks based on like what the type of cancer is. Because I think one of the other pieces is making sure that people, when they do receive the diagnosis, that they have other people who have also gone through that to talk to. Mm -hmm. Because you and I have never dealt with 
what your mom has dealt with, what my dad deals with, what my best friend had dealt with. And so (laughs) while they can talk to us about these things, there's still going to be pieces of it that we can't fully understand, even though we really want to and we really want to try to. Mm-hmm. I think that the the mental and emotional piece of it is so important and people being able to talk to people who really get it and understand it is so, yes. so important because the mind is so powerful. And so outside of the nutrition and the education and the different healing modalities, like we need to be thinking about our, our minds and how powerful they are in terms of if a doctor says something to you or like tells you, you only have X amount of time to live. Yes. And then that becomes your mindset when you receive a diagnosis. That's terrifying. That's going yep. to impact your body whether you whether you admit it or not or whether you realize it or not. And yep. so I really genuinely think that one of the other things that would be helpful is if doctors in general had more of like a trauma-informed um, education in terms of how to deliver certain news to yes. patients and being more positive and I know my mom watched this um I don't know if it's like a movie or a show but I think it's called The Secret have you heard of this oh there's a there's a book series called The Secret is it that yeah it's all about like the power of your mind yeah yeah, yeah. okay just basically I'm pretty sure it's called The Secret um and one of her friends told her to watch it and she was like literally just wake up every morning and be like I don't have cancer like I'm beating cancer like cancer has nothing on me and really just saying things out loud and believing it and that yeah you really brought up a good point because that's something that's not mentioned at all and ever and I think that could be huge keeping a positive mindset and manifesting you know the outcome of your sickness and treatment yeah There was something that I watched or read recently, but it was talking about a doctor. I think it was on Instagram. It was a doctor that works with cancer patients, but when he goes in to meet them for the first time after they've received their diagnosis from somewhere else, he doesn't even mention their cancer. He just talks to them like a conversation, like a normal conversation, just to learn about them. And like, why is that approach not used Like if you're going in, you're like, okay, I was just diagnosed with this cancer. I'm having my first meeting with my doctor. People are probably terrified about what they're going to be, what's going to be discussed. For sure. And like knowing from experience, and I know, of course, people are just trying to be nice and reach out. But there was one point where my mom was like, I don't want to talk about cancer anymore because everybody brings it up and you almost just become like cancer. And I think- that is an amazing approach just to not even mention it and just, you know, talk about being healthy and what you're going to do to improve yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right, though. Um, where did I see that? I don't remember where I saw it or who said it, but when my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's, he was diagnosed in 2019, a few months before my daughter was born, and he was terrified to tell me. But I remember I just like I dove into research just like you did with your mom. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I kept telling him because his doctors told him that he only has five good years. And that made me really angry because I just don't think it's right for doctors to just give a blanket statement about someone's health. When we talked about earlier, everything is individualized. 
Yeah. So I kept telling him in everything that I looked up, like I literally created spreadsheets, Google documents, everything, different modalities of healing, all like books, documentaries, everything. But I just kept telling him like, you are not your diagnosis. Like you, you're not. And so I can understand what, how your mom was feeling. Like if people are constantly like, how's your cancer? How's your cancer? How's your cancer? Mm-hmm. You're a cancer patient. Like that is a lot when you're already mm-hmm. undergoing what you're going through so to approach people like they're humans and they're not just their diagnosis is something that i think everybody should do in general yes but especially if you're in the if you're a doctor or a nurse Mm -hmm. yeah and not making it so somber but that is going back to the hospital mood it's just not good vibes in there it's not uplifting we need to just start uplifting hospitals (laughs) Yes, we need like some bright paint color, or some open windows, fresh air, sunlight. I was going to say outdoor hospitals where there's like indoor yeah. seating that's still kind of open to the outside. That would be cool. There's a lot of things we can do. Emily and I are going to come up with some things, guys. <laughs> okay, so this was such a good conversation. I'm so glad we had it. I cannot wait for people to hear it and to hear what their thoughts are. Um, are there any final words or pieces of advice that you'd want to leave listeners with? I think just to speak up for yourself and for the people that you love and ask questions and then go look into those questions yourself. I love that. Yes. There's never a stupid question. (laughs) That's right. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And oh, before we get off, would you mind sharing where people can find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at All Natural Emily. I just started uh, my own like lifestyle home business. So I'm going to give myself a shout out. Yes. And I share some of my favorite non-toxic home swaps on there. So you can start small and check out some things on there. Yes. And Emily just came to my house and helped me completely reorganize my junk closet that I had. (laughs) So thank you so much for that. It literally made the biggest difference. And now I don't feel like I have to hide that closet anymore. (laughs) You're so welcome. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast and giving me a chance to talk about my mom and raising some awareness for cancer. Of course. Of course. I'm, I'm so glad we were able to. And I'm excited to keep creating stuff together to raise awareness and advocate for people who need it. Yes, me too. All right, listeners. Well, thank you so much for joining us and we'll be back next week. Bye. so much for joining us this week listeners i really hoped you love this episode as much as i did if you enjoyed it learned something new or know someone you feel may benefit from it please share it with them whether you're posting it on social media sending it in a text or an email my goal is to open up these types of conversations within our society within our families within our friend groups as always if you have any feedback questions or know someone you think may be a great guest for the podcast, please connect us on Instagram at the Be Loud About What Matters podcast or send an email to be loud about what matters at gmail.com. 
And if I haven't said it already, if you could please subscribe to the podcast, I would so appreciate it. And also leave a review if it's something that aligns with you and you feel like you want to learn more and you want to keep listening, help us reach more people. I appreciate you all so much and can't wait to chat with you again next week. Bye-bye.